come the big train, big train in the game. Here come the big train, big train. Here come the big train, big train in the game. Walter Johnson was his name. He threw the hardest fastball ever thrown. He made Randy Johnson's look like he was skipping stones. He lived in Bethesda on old Georgetown Road. The greatest pitcher baseball's ever known. Yeah, here Hello come and the welcome big to episode 82 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing great, Mark. How are you? Not bad. Uh, what about you, Jacob? I'm doing great. It's a nice day to be recording again. Yeah, I've got some uh, very warm weather where I am, so stuck in the my makeshift studio. Not so great, but I'm enjoying it, and uh, it's been a little bit. We haven't recorded since last Saturday as we record this on Monday, but the Blue Jays have been doing very, very well. They won six in a row. Not doing so hot now as they're losing to the Rays as we record this. They've already lost two to the Rays. But I guess we can start things off with a conversation about this win streak and how it's kind of changed the dynamic of this team. Because now, you know, we see the Blue Jays with, you know, a 64% chance at making the postseason according to 538, a 70% chance of making the postseason according to baseball reference. I think 530, or excuse me, fan graphs is a little bit lower than those two. But now we have some recognition of the Blue Jays in postseason contention, in the playoff picture, in the wild card picture. Whereas, you know, even just one week ago, we were not talking about this. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast before of how both Bryson and I didn't think the Blue Jays could make the postseason. Jacob thought they could. Um, so what do you guys think of this? Do you guys think a, a, a 64% or a 70% chance to make the postseason is fair? Is it overestimating too much? Has that much really changed with the Blue Jays um, to make them a postseason team? What do you guys think? Uh, I think it definitely has uh, to an extent, just because this past week itself, not only did the Jays have a massive win streak, but they were consistent in pretty much every game they played. Obviously, they lost, they've lost the past couple of games um, this past weekend when they're playing right now to attempt to uh, split the series with the Rays in a four-game set. But other than uh, those two games the Jays have lost, if you look back to earlier in the week, they were consistent throughout the way. And uh, as they keep you know, pitch is they keep playing well. The uh, the odds went up, and the you know on the telecast today they were showing the playoff odds for the eighth seed in the AL. So pretty much the worst case scenario for any team to get in the American League, and essentially the Jays just have to outplay Baltimore, Kansas City, Detroit, and the LA Angels. Those are pretty much the only teams, or those are the biggest threats for them in terms of getting the eighth seed. There's um there's a bunch of other teams too that are a little bit below, but those are pretty much teams that are all doable for the Jays to outperform and. According to Fangraphs as well, it's 54.6% for the Jays, and that is like the biggest number out of all the teams. And the next number is 18% for the Baltimore Orioles, and that's a massive drop-off. So you can see how there's actually a lot of optimism and a lot of um, hype for this team after this past week. So, you know, going back to earlier in the week, they they swept the uh, the Orioles, and, um, you know, the pitching was well. The offense is start, starting to show up. Uh, the first game was uh, 7-2. Uh, 8-2 was the next game, 5-2 was the third game, which was the sweep, and pretty much you got, you know, Randall Gritchick is another one who was pretty much leading the way that week, who was just hitting home run after home run um, in both games of the series in Baltimore, he was leading the way, uh, you had a good start from Hanjin Ryu uh, on Monday, 
and he had a good start from him a few days ago as well. So it's good to see that he's been consistent. He's pretty much been the only pitcher that's actually thrown, you know, I would say at least six innings just because it feels like every other pitcher is not really going deep into ballgames, but we're going to be talking about that a bit later, a bit of a teaser there. But uh, the Jays swept the Orioles in a crucial, crucial series. That's pretty much where they passed them. Uh, they had to make up for the double, or they had to make up two out of the three games they lost against the Phillies when the uh, Phillies had their outbreak a few weeks ago. So they had a quick doubleheader in Buffalo, and they went 2-0. And, and, of course, the game two was the, the game that everyone remembers most is when they came back from 8 nothing, which was another crazy, crazy comeback that we pretty much never uh, expected to happen. And in that way, uh, in that way, Rowdy Telez was actually the one who led the way. He went 3-4 for four with an RBI and three home run. Or, sorry, three RBIs, one home run, and he went 3-4 for four on the day. So he was the one that pretty much got the comeback started. And then that takes us to Thursday through um, this past Monday where they've been spending time at the Trop. They won the first game, lost the next two, and then now they're trying to split the series today on Monday, August 24th. So this team's been pretty consistent throughout the way. Um, obviously, a few hiccups this weekend. Uh, they lost in extra innings again. or sorry, The first game, they won in extras. The second game, their extra inning woes continued. They lost 2-1. That was kind of a, you know, that was pretty much their worst game of the week offensively. And yesterday, they put up four runs, but it wasn't enough. And as we speak, they are currently playing the Tampa Bay Rays in the bottom of the sixth inning. So a great week for the Jays, as you can see. Lots of ups, lots of ups and lots of positives pretty much, you know, pretty much outweighs all the negatives, even though there's only been a few. Uh, lots of players have been leading the way. And just when you thought when Bo Bichette went down with the big injury, which we haven't even been able to talk about yet, that was pretty much a massive blow to, at the time, for any sort of playoff chances that we all imagined. So the fact that, you know, the offense has been, um, you know, they've been stepping up, uh, it's it's crucial for this team in order to, you know, I, I don't want to say survive, but they want to get by day by day and hopefully, you know, get over that 500 mark. And as I mentioned, one of the first goals I said last week was to get back to 500. They're actually above 500 for one game, and now they're back to 500 uh, today. And today will be the deciding factor if they go over or under again. So lots of building blocks step by step, but the Jays are in it. They've been in it the entire time. They just haven't been playing to their fullest extent. And I think this week we've seen a consistent effort from them. And clearly, if they want to keep playing like this, there's no reason why they shouldn't be in that eighth seed at the worst for the playoff race. Yeah, exactly. I think the the playoffs, uh, I said a couple episodes ago that I was very optimistic, and then the episode after, which was last week, I was a little less optimistic. But I, you know what? I'm going to have to change my mind again because you, you look <laughs> at where they were last week versus where they are right now. They were over 500 a couple of days ago, and now they're they're back at 500. But that is still a lot better than where they were uh, last Saturday when we last recorded. And when you think about who they're looking to compete against in the playoffs. You know, obviously, I think it's fair to say that the White Sox are going to take that last seed uh, in in the AL set. Well, they're third in the Central, but they're probably going to take the first seed. And then the Blue Jays and the Orioles are both 500, where the Orioles have one extra win and one extra loss. But really, if you look at it, the Texas Rangers are seven games under 500. So I think it's fair to say that from a Blue Jays perspective, you're really just competing against the Orioles who you can play and you can give yourself kind of the playoff spot by coming or by playing better than them. And what's interesting is it's their first six game win streak actually since 2016, which is kind of crazy to think about that they haven't done that in so long. But I've honestly, I'm happy. The, the team has looked very good. I think one of the things that I've been very vocal about is how bad defensively I think they've looked whereas 
this week, I think it's looked a lot better. We've seen Guriel with a fantastic arm in the outfield. Uh, I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has actually so, uh, settled down a lot defensively. And, you know, you just look at all the individual performances. They're starting to translate into team performances and helping them actually win. Where you look at Teoscar Hernandez, for example, is tied for fourth in the league in home runs, where he has 10 as of right now. That could change with the game right now. But if it doesn't, he has 10 right now. And when you think about tied for fourth, technically the leader only has 12, which is Fernando Tatis Jr., where he is two below that. So even just one home run puts him in second place. And I, it's crazy. I think the Blue Jays have just, they've really settled down. You've seen a lot of great defensive plays, especially Biggio. Uh, he's I, offensively look, speaking, I think he's got 19 straight games where he's been on base. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's it's upper it's upper teens. But you know, I think overall the team has looked very good. You know, they've they have had a little bit of luck where you look back at those games against the Phillies and even the Rays. The both teams have made a few defensive errors that have helped the Blue Jays win. But they're taking over. Uh, they're they're taking advantage of their their opposers missteps and I think that's definitely what the team has to do and they're they're starting to not kind of they're, they're trying they're starting to not lose to themselves they're starting to win games based on their abilities but they're also taking advantage of other people and they're the things that they're doing wrong but they're also they're not giving away games by throwing the ball away or not running the bases properly and it's just honestly I'm very happy with what I've seen obviously they've hopefully they don't lose today against the Rays, but if they do, that'll be three straight losses. But still, one game under 500 where you think, or you look back to a week ago when they were five games under, or they were, whatever it was, they were far under 500. And right now, I'm I'm very pleased with what I've been seeing. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. They're no longer losing to themselves, and that's a very good way to put it. The luck has kind of turned. I think some of the earlier losses that we saw the Blue Jays you know we saw close games I think there's been 10 games this season that have been tied in or, or within one run in the seventh inning or later for the Blue Jays and when you look at the fact that you know they've only played 26 games this season they're working on their 27th as we speak it's it's remarkable how close a lot of these games have been. So for the Blue Jays, I think the luck has turned a little bit. A lot of those games could have gone either way. The Blue Jays were making stupid mistakes, whether it be on the base pass, whether it be in the uh, defensive side of things, but they've stopped making those mistakes. The luck has been on their side, at least over the past few games, and that's changed the dynamic a little bit. When it comes to the postseason, though, I'm still not optimistic. I know, like I just read off, baseball reference saying 64%, 538 saying up there. I don't believe it. You know, I I think this team, yeah, things were firing on all cylinders for six games. But now we have two games and half of a third showing that maybe they aren't quite that ready to take that next step. I think this team got lucky but I think it's very easy for the luck to turn, and right now we're going to have this conversation later, but the pitching is not there. It's still performing well, but you have a lot of struggles in terms of injuries, in terms of management problems. Um, I, I I don't see this team as a playoff team still, and I'll stick to that, and I know you guys might disagree, and I know it's pessimistic, but I honestly just don't see them as a competitive team this year. Yeah, they'll they'll be a 500 team, but and maybe that is enough to make the postseason, but I'm sticking with, with my original assumption of saying the Blue Jays will not make the postseason. So what, what will it take for you to somewhat 
or for the tide to start to turn for you for them for you to be you know believing them for possibly making the playoffs what will it take um well i i mean we saw their odds of making the postseason increase by 30 percent over yeah. the last week I, I honestly, I know it's a short season. I know a six-game winning streak is the equivalent of a 16-game winning streak in the regular season, but I just don't see the correlation between winning six games and a 30% increase in the postseason odds. I think the Blue Jays got lucky. I, I don't think those wins were because of only their own talent. Of course, some of those wins were great wins. The 9-8 game against the Philadelphia Phillies um, is one that comes to mind. But I think a lot of these games... You know, it's just a flip of a coin, and the Blue Jays have gotten lucky. I haven't seen enough to indicate that they are winning off of their own talent. And that's not to knock the Blue Jays. You know, they're a great team. We know they're going to be a great team in years to come. I just don't think they totally have it this year. To answer your question, Bryson, what will it take to see them as a postseason team? Um, We're approaching the trade deadline. Trades have already been made. The Blue Jays acquiring Daniel Vogelbach. Um, They're looking at pitchers. I think if they make a move... On the trade market, I think that could convince me. I think if we see their pitching get shored up, if we see Charlie Montoyo letting guys get deeper into the games, if we see um, guys coming back from the injured list, whether it's you know Chase Anderson pitching to his full potential, whether it's Matt Shoemaker now who's you know n- not not a healthy, whether it's Trent Thornton, who's also not healthy, if we see some of these guys become healthy, or if we see an influx of pitching in terms of trades. I think that will change my mind. Yeah, the, the pitching has definitely been depleted. Um, it, it will be interesting to see on August 31st. Just, again, a completely, you know, this trade deadline will be out of sorts. It's going to be something so unpredictable. You're going to see more, you know, one-for-one trades, player-for-player trades. You know, you're not going to see someone completely deplete their farm system for one month of a player in a 60-game season. It's just not reality uh, this year. But uh, the Jays, like you said, they've been destroyed with injuries. And regardless if they were competing or not, you have to imagine that Ross Atkins will pick up, you know, will have no choice but to pick up the phone. But, um, you know, going back to this week, they've been, you know, they have been consistent. Uh, It'll be interesting to see because I think even Buck Martinez said it today on the broadcast, and it was something that I think I briefly mentioned a few months ago. Regardless if there's percentages everywhere or expectations everywhere. It's really up to the front office if they want to take this year seriously at all because they could easily somewhat get into the playoffs this year or sneak into the playoffs. And the front office front office can easily believe that they're still not ready to contend. And then they can go back to 2021 just maybe selling, not as much, but maybe at a state where you're not buying. You're still kind of building depth and you're still developing your players. So it'll be interesting to see how the front office believes in this team. Do they really think that they have a legit legitimate chance of making the playoffs you know what are their long-term plans beyond 2020 and that's going to be the deciding factor and we're only one week away from actually finding out with the trade deadline being next week so um you know they got Daniel Vogel back last night something that probably we didn't really expect at the time because if you're going to make a trade right now you you'd have to imagine it was it's going to be for pitchers and you know the demand for pitchers around the the league entirely itself is probably through the roof as well because we're seeing injuries all over the place for uh, pitchers everywhere across the league. Um, most notable was uh, Steven Strasburg a few days ago. He's been shut down for the season. You know, other pitchers like Justin Verlander has been shut down, and we know the story on the Jays in terms of how many you know pitchers have been down. Uh, Matt Shoemaker, uh, Nate Pierce, and Trent Thornton, Chase Anderson, all four names of them, they've been in the rotation at some point this year. So it'll be interesting to see. 
And we still don't really know what the front office believes. Of course, they're going to tell the media that they think they can win. But do they truly believe they can win? And if they do truly think they can win, how aggressive will they will Ross Atkins really be next week? And if if it takes a few trades for Mark to or for you, Mark, to kind of get on board, then I guess um, you know you're definitely not the only one. I'm I'm sure a lot of fans, including myself, are starting to get really really interested to see are curious about next week because I really have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they make nothing, but I just, uh, the Daniel Vogelback trade last night kind of threw me off a bit, but uh, there's still one week until the trade deadline's up. So Jacob, I don't know if you have anything more to add, but that's pretty much uh, my thoughts there. Yeah. See, it's interesting how you mentioned whether you think the front office is going to do anything. To be completely honest, I don't think they're going to do anything regardless of whether they believe the Blue Jays can win or not this year. I think a lot of what you'll see is probably the something like the Vogelback trade where you're you're not going to give up a prospect or really cash yeah, trades m- yeah. N- or I mean if they want to do one of those future consideration trades we'll see but if I think all they're really going to do is that they're not really going to trade anybody because I mean you can't really trade prospects cuz no nobody's really playing unless you're in the majors right now and I, I, th- I feel like I said this last week. I really do think they want to see what they have this year before they do make any trades, whether it's next deadline or maybe this offseason or definitely the 2021 offseason. But it's just I, if the Blue Jays make the playoffs, I think it's definitely possible this year, but it'll have to be on based off of the roster that they have right now. I really don't think anybody is going to make money uh make any trades if they want to acquire like i said like a vogel back where it's a very low risk high reward or potentially high reward deal then i think they'll go for it i think that's what ross atkins and mark shapiro are kind of known for but it's you're not really going to see many big trades regardless of whether they're you know in the race or they clearly have a lead on a team or whatever i think it's just going to be you know this is the roster if they win they win but we're not going to make any moves until uh, a year now, or maybe even you know a little bit over a year from now. Let's talk a little bit more about the the Vogelbach trade because um, Bryson, like you said, it caught me very much off guard. Um, we had been hearing rumblings of you know the trade de- trade deadline approaching. Is this going to be a team that's trying to compete, trying to pick up some loose ends and and tie off knots on this team and and make it able to compete down the line, but. Daniel Vogelbach was not what I had in mind. He's a first baseman designated hitter. He hit 30 home runs last year, but only batted about 207 or 208, I think. This year got off to a horrible start. I think he's batting like 096 or something through about 60 plate appearances. Um, The Mariners designated him for assignment. Blue Jays picking him up, as we mentioned, for cash considerations. Caught me off guard. A very weird deal. I guess there's really no downside to it because... You know, the Blue Jays probably gave up next to nothing for him, and they can either use him as depth on the bench if he starts hitting well. Of course, you can, you know, sub him out and designate a hitter first base, shuffle him around in those positions. If you want, you can even send him down to the alternative training site for some time as extra depth or, or on the taxi squad. So, again, not much downside to this trade, but it it's kind of weird. Like, I, I didn't expect it, and I don't think really anyone saw it coming yeah it's definitely one of those deals I think it was late last night and it's just it caught me off guard a little bit too I remember I just opened my phone up and then I get the tweets from the Blue Jays first so I was like hmm this is interesting I'll look into that but yeah I think it's very 
very low risk. You know, they gave up, they didn't give up any players. I mean, just a little bit of cash, but there's a potential for a very good reward. Obviously, you said last year, 30 home runs. Uh, he, he's not going to hit for average. I think he's a career 196 hitter, so, you know, not very good. Although, I should mention that 2016 was really his only full year because the other years he had played less than 20 games per season, if I remember correctly. And even this year, he was DFA'd, so it's, he didn't really play that much. But something surprised me, despite that really bad average, his odd base percentage was 341 last year, and I believe his career is 326. So just under one every three at-bats, he'll get on base, which, I mean, hey, that's pretty good. The, what, the Blue Jays could definitely benefit from that. Uh, some people were thinking that uh, throughout Instagram and social media, looking through things, they think that Rowdy Telez is probably going to be they're moved on from I, I don't necessarily know what they're going to do with that I feel like they still want to wait a little bit see what he can do but yeah I think definitely alternate trading site maybe uh the taxi squad's probably going to be the most likely scenario the bench if uh, the injuries keep piling up is probably a very good option too I mean it'll honestly I think depend on what they do with Guerrero do they want to throw him at first base and if they do is Vogelback or Telez going to DH uh, or are one of them going to take over first base for a game and then Guerrero DH that night I'm not sure but I think overall I think it's a good trade there's really nothing that you can be mad about I mean if he doesn't perform well then it's not like we could say man I really wish we could get that player back because this was a waste of a trade no it's just it, it either works or it doesn't if it doesn't then I mean nothing really nothing really to get mad at because like I said they really didn't give much uh, away for it yeah the, the trade completely threw me off guard but uh, in terms of his role I, I think you know I don't I somewhat disagree I think he's going right to the active roster I, I really do um, the, the only the Jays only have a three-man bench right now and you can't really survive off of that for as long as they have uh, I think that's getting to the point where they are looking to add a fourth bat to the bench now what the corresponding move would be uh, don't ask me I have no idea but I think they got him uh, to come right to the active roster uh, I know he was DFA'd earlier this week, but the trade completely th threw me off guard because, you know, right when I looked at it, obviously looked at it, my phone, uh, right away I was thinking, like, I, I, I was just, I, I was kind of, like, I didn't really know what to think about it because, you know, in all due respect to Daniel Vogelback, there's our, you know, he is not obviously the best starter, but the one thing I didn't even know is he was an all-star last year. That completely threw me off as well, and he did he did hit 30 home runs, so he does have power. And he was hitting at a pitchers friendly ballpark all year as well at uh, T-Mobile Park in Seattle. So that's that's another thing to look at. But the move just I just don't understand the need for it as much as something else like pitching. Obviously, this was probably an easier deal to make just because it was just a player for cash. And then when you look at it too, it just it could lead to so many other possibilities. Maybe the Jays aren't done making moves. Maybe someone like Rowdy Telez could be possibly moved. Uh, I was looking at other players, maybe even Brandon Drury, because he has the option to play first base. And I know he's slotted as a third baseman, but many other players on the team can play third base, um, such as you know Travis Shaw's been playing. Uh, Santiago Espinal can play. Maybe Joe Panic can even play. Kevin Biggio can play third. But the other thing that will probably keep Brandon Drury on the roster is maybe the the fact that he can play the outfield. So I don't know too much about him. You know, somebody like Joe Panic, maybe I, I don't know what the corresponding move is, but I have like I'm starting to wonder if maybe somebody might be on the way out. And then going back to it as well, you have Rowdy Telez, you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and you have Travis Shaw. All three of them can play first base. So that's another question I have: is how frequent or 
what's his role exactly going to be other than a bench player? Because he can definitely come off the bench at so uh, you know different uh, times of the game. But you know, is that all he's going to do? Like, how do you fit him into the lineup every day while keeping someone like uh, Guerrero Shaw uh, in the lineup? So that's that's one thing I want to look at too. Does the team not trust Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base? That could be another possibility because um, the one thing that's kind of caught people's attention the past few days is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has pretty much been DHing a lot more frequently this week than he has been playing first base. And I think Charlie Montoya was actually asked about that during their last Zoom call meeting. You know, is is he injured? Like, what's going on with Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? And he just said simply they're just resting him. So that's the other thing. I don't know why they're keeping Vladimir treating Vladimir Guerrero Jr. like a 40-year-old who's struggling to get by day by day in the major league level. He's so young. He's in year two. But anyways, that could be a possibility. Maybe the team doesn't trust him at first base, but the role for Vogelback, I just kind of confuses me because you already have Rowdy Telez as well, who's platooning at DH. Travis Shaw is, um, you know, so many other players are. I just don't know the role for him. And then when you want to want to look at his contract, um, he, he is pre-arbitration eligible and he is not a free agent until 2025. So the thing the Jays love, team control, you definitely have that with Vogelback for the next few years. But uh, definitely an interesting move, something that I think nobody kind of saw coming, but definitely an easy trade to make for the Jays, and it's an addition to the bench. But my question is, what else What else is his role, even though he's only a first baseman and a DH? Yeah, I don't think anyone's questioning his utility for the Blue Jays. I think everyone realizes what he can be you know if he's exactly what he was last season you know 30 home runs obviously the 200 batting average is not great but you get the power from him and that's why he is valued or was valued by the Mariners so no one's questioning you know his actual talents and if he can be useful for a team for me it's just like where do you put him like you said Bryson you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Rowdy Telez even Travis Shaw they're all the same type of player so I don't know where you're finding space on the roster, if he's coming off the bench, um, if it's getting regular playing time at first base and Vladdy's getting more time at designated hitter, but then what do you do with Rowdy Telez? So that's a part of this com- which confuses me, but I guess we'll see what happens. But moving on to, I guess, a fuller conversation about the trade deadline, since we've seen some rumors come out. The Blue Jays earlier today were reported by John Morosi of MLB Network to be pursuing starting pitching, pursuing a piece, an additional piece to their rotation. Uh, Taiwan Walker is one name that was put out there as connected to the Blue Jays. Of course, Walker, one guy um, on the Mariners who, of course, the Blue Jays in contact with the Mariners for the Daniel Vogelbach trade. So that's a potential link. Um, I don't know how much there is to talk about here. We know the Blue Jays need pitching. Of course, we're going to talk about that later. Um, They have a lot of injuries, and even though the pitching hasn't really struggled performance-wise, you know it will because the pitchers are getting worn down. So um, I I think really this is all about just kind of getting a stopgap for this season. You know, stop the bleeding in terms of the starting rotation. Give some guys some rest. Maybe even go with a six-man rotation for a little bit because you have the 28-man roster to work with. I think that's what this is about. You have no choice but to go out and make some sort of move after what transpired or what has transpired this season and especially what has transpired or what happened yesterday because yesterday um, was a complete, complete massive hit to the team. Uh massive hit to the team what was going on you lost Matt Shoemaker before the game just mysteriously was placed on the uh 
the injured list, and it you know it was determined today it was a latch strain, and um, uh, Tr- Chase, no, sorry, Trent Thornton left the game as well be- early because of a elbow problem that he's been dealing with already. So he was already on the injured list once. He comes back, he throws one inning, and he starts holding his elbow and immediately is leaves the game. So two pitchers right there. We know Nate Pearson, Chase Anderson started the year on the injured list as well, and this pretty much there there was pretty much. This was pretty much it for the main guys on the entire rotation. And, you know, surprisingly, just because of his past, Hinjin Ryu, or Hunjin Ryu, sorry, has been healthy. And that's the one good thing is because obviously he is your best pitcher. And, you know, this month he's been pretty much light, lights out. Going back to six days ago, he threw six innings. He gave up one earned run, struck out three, only allowed four hits. And he threw about 86 pitches, which is reasonable. And then going back to a few days ago when he played, um, he also had a, he also had another good outing where he went five innings, giving up three hits, one earned run, and he struck out six. And he threw ninety four pitches in five innings, so definitely a high pitch count. But he's pretty much the only pitcher on this team that's throwing, you know, a lot of pitches because everyone seems to be on a limited uh, pitch count or so. You know, most of them aren't getting out of the fifth inning, and why I don't know why. Maybe they're being too cautious, but you know, with the injuries that's been going on and across the league, obviously the demand for pitching is going to be through the roof. So maybe some it, it'll depend on how desperate some teams are willing to get. Yes, there's options in the alternate training site, but you know you still kind of have to look beyond that. Um, you know the one name that we were actually we were actually talking about this last week, where uh, Jake and I were siding with Ryan Brucky and Mark, you sided with Anthony Kaye of who would be the next long man in the bullpen and possibly get a crack at the rotation. And with the news of Ryan Barucky, pretty much the Jays shutting down the idea of that they're exploring him starting anytime soon. Uh, they're going to be. They're only re- really willing to keep him in the bullpen this season. And if worse comes to worse, he might become. You know, he, they might stretch him out a bit. But it seems like this year he's just going to be in the bullpen. So going back to you, Mark, you were the one that said Anthony K should be the next one going. And if the, if the news to Barucky is true, then I absolutely agree with you. I think Anthony K deserves a shot now. If the Jays will do that, I'm not sure. Just because he has been pitching well out of the bullpen, maybe some, it's something the Jays don't want to mess with. But other than that, you know, the depth's there, but the depth's being tested right now. And it's something where you have to go out. You have to get something. You know, you don't have to get an ace. You don't have to get somebody who's a... You can get a, an average pitcher just for depth, which is fine. But the injuries across the rotation has just been completely... Um, it's 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 been tough because the Matt Shoemaker one, again, came out of nowhere. He looked fine when he pitched, and then it was determined he had a lat strain today. And another one is Nate Pearson, who even before went on the injury list, was struggling... And he was placed on it um, a few days ago with inflammation or tightness. And we don't even know when he'll be back. So this is something that I think that they have no choice but to do. And, you know, someone like Chase Anderson as well, who's still trying to pitch his way back into things. Um, you know, he's still not really throwing a lot of innings. So, you know, the depth's being tested. But, you know, I th- they got no choice but to make something. And the good thing is they do have a week to do so. But uh, a, t- a tough week. Uh, as much as the Jays have been playing well, a tough week for the injuries. And hopefully, you know, you, you hope it can stop. But unfortunately, it's happening all across the game. And you really don't know when it will stop or if it will stop at all. Yeah, I think uh, you're correct. I think the the problem with the Blue Jays is, like you said, how many injuries they've had. I mean, we saw la- uh, yesterday's game against the Rays where Trent Thornton, he... Uh, before the game, you could see clips of him kind of pinching at his arm. He felt discomfort, and then obviously he only lasted the one inning. You've seen that, uh, what's his name? Matt Shoemaker has gone off with the injury list. Uh, you've seen Nate Pearson. You've just seen so many guys that you kind of expected to eat up innings for you. 
go down with injuries and you know somebody's gonna have to take those innings up somebody's gonna have to start and that'll probably be like you mentioned somebody that's been a long man in the bullpen but then you have to address the question of who is going to take that role in the bullpen do you want to like I said put a long man in the rotation or do you want to trade for somebody and that's probably what's going to happen I know I said I didn't want any trades to happen but this has to happen unless you I don't even know what the other option is you just you don't have pitchers that's the problem you just you've lost too many guys so they're gonna have to do that um but yeah other than that I mean you know you can look for your taxi squad but again you just your their depth is being tested beyond I think what anybody else expected so if they aren't to go make a trade then I think they'll run into a lot of problems of you know well do they want to use an opener well then how do you deal with the other days where you're not using an opener and your relievers are kind of way overused? Are you going to kind of designate guys that are going to pitch in an opening game or an opener style game? Are you going to have guys that are specifically not for those games? And then what do you do when guys struggle? You know, if a guy like last night where Trent or yesterday afternoon where Trent Thornton only lasted an inning, you need long men. And if all your long men are saved for tomorrow's opener game, well then you have a lot of problems on your hands. So I think, yeah, pitch, I mean, it's tough because, like I said, it, it pitching is in such high demand, and I mean, we're probably not going to see any uh, prospect type trades where you trade, you know, a few second rounders or you know a triple A or a double A guy for a reliever or a starter. You 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 kind of have to go for either for cash, future considerations, or major leaguers. So it, it's it's tough. I think trades have to be made, but as of or with respect to what is actually going to be done, I I really don't know, and I think it'll be tough for them uh, at the front offices to figure this out. But like you said, Bryce, they got to stop the bleeding. And if you know, God forbid, Hunjin Ryu goes down, well then what? Like you you just don't have enough pitchers to a get you through the season. Period. But say they do qualify for the playoffs, they're going to get swept instantly if all of their good pitchers are even, you know the guys that they would have relied on in the bullpen are, are out with injuries. They just, it's not sustainable if they don't just have the pitching. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. It's pitching is the key weakness of this team. Not that it's bad. It's just injuries. And I mean, so far it hasn't hurt the blue Jays much, but they've got 27 games in 26 days I think it is, or maybe it's 28 and 27, but they are very busy over the next, you know, I think it's 17, 18 days. So they need pitching to supplement what they're trying to do, which is make a push at the postseason. At the same time, I don't expect the Blue Jays to go all in, you know, in any trade, whether it's for pitching, whether it's for a guy like Daniel Vogelbach. um, I, I don't expect them to go all in. On anything, I think that they're going to, you know, chip away at the corners. Maybe they trade um, less important guys like we were talking about, Raddy Telez, maybe on the trading block, maybe some prospects that they don't care about that much, or maybe like we saw with the, the Daniel Vogelbach trade with just giving up cash for the player. But I don't think we're going to see big pieces moved because this season, ultimately, it's not that important. It's a 60-game season. They're way ahead of schedule in terms of competition. So I think, you know, they're going to play it safe in terms of the front office. They won't be looking for big 
pitching pieces. They'll be looking for stop gaps. Guys like Taiwan Walker, he's a rental, but you know he hasn't pitched more than 14 innings combined over the last two years. So he's a guy that the Blue Jays might be looking at, but he's not going to come at a high price. So they'll be looking at guys like that who can help stop the bleeding, but won't be expensive and probably don't have a role with this team in the future. Part of the reason that the Blue Jays are struggling pitching-wise, at least in my opinion, is Charlie Montoyo, and that's a conversation that we wanted to have because Montoyo has been pulling pitchers very early from the game, whether it be in the fifth inning, whether it be when pitchers are only at um, 80 pitches. Uh, A lot of these pitchers have been pulled, and in fact, only two pitchers Matt Shoemaker and Hyunjin Ryu have made it into the sixth inning this season for the Blue Jays. So a lot of people have been talking about how the pitching has gotten worn down, how it has been a problem for the Blue Jays, and a lot of people have been blaming the worn down and tired pitching on Charlie Montoyo. So what do you guys think about this? Do you think it is Montoyo's fault that he's been pulling guys too early in the game, that the pitching has been getting worn down? Do you want to see pitchers get deeper in the game, or do you think he's playing it safe, doing the right thing when you have an expanded roster to you know, take it a little bit easy on your pitchers and give them a little bit more of resting time, not as many pitches in an outing? What do you guys think? Yeah, it just puts Charlie Montoya in a t- tough position. But the one thing you have to look at is it's not like everyone's staying healthy. A lot of the pitchers are going down to begin with, so I don't know, I don't know what the strategy, or I don't know how much it's really paying off. Other than Hunjin Ryu, he's been pretty much the only one, like I said, that's been throwing a lot of pitches. Uh, he hasn't really been going deep. The deep, he did go six innings uh, six days ago, so he did he did go pretty deep into the game. He had a high pitch count, and a few days ago. He threw five innings and he threw over 90 pitches, like I said earlier. So that's another thing uh, to look at. And then if you want to go to another start this week with Nate Pearson, uh, he threw 81 pitches in four innings. So that one, I guess you can't blame him there. But he just had another high pitch count and he unfortunately struggled, allowing five earned runs. So that's another uh, start this week. And if you want to go to another one, um, another one from the doubleheader against the Phillies, or sorry, another one against the Orioles this week, Tanner Roark. He threw 94 pitches in five innings, so that's also a good sign. Uh, he got a lot of work in that day. And now if we're going to the doubleheader against the Phillies, um, the doubleheader against the Phillies, Chase Anderson, he threw 78 pitches in 3.2 innings, and he allowed one earned run. So he threw another, that was another high pitch count from him. And then in game two, it was when Trent Thornton got lit up like a Christmas tree in a th- two-thirds of an inning. Um, that pitch count was low. He just did not pitch well at all. So, and then if you want to go to this weekend as well with Matt Shoemaker, um, on Thursday, he threw, or Matt Shoemaker, uh, threw 74 pitches in five innings and allowed two earned runs. So he, that's a quality start from him, uh, which was good. And then, you know, uh, I mentioned the Ryu start and the rest is, the rest goes on. So it's not like the pitchers weren't throwing a lot. They, I think most of the pitchers this week were, they just had a high pitch count, but Charlie Montoya, you could still see is very cautious and very conservative of pulling his pitchers out of the game early. Um, I just, you know, I don't know if the strategy is working as well. We've seen, you know, bullpens that sometimes he's mismanaged the bullpen a few times. You know, what's this bullpen strategy to begin with anyway? A lot of people don't even know. And I've mentioned it before, and I've seen other people starting to mention, is he just picking names out of a hat or kind of just closing his eyes and choosing um, a random person on the the, the lineup card? Uh, I, I just, I don't know. But I think the injuries haven't helped. Uh, the depth is going to be tested regardless, but 
you have to kind of question a little bit what Charlie Montoya is doing. This week, I don't feel as bad for him because, or I don't blame him as much, sorry to correct that, but just because the pitchers have been throwing a lot of pitches. But going back a few weeks ago, uh, they weren't throwing a lot and they were pretty much barely getting out of the fifth inning. So that's kind of something that we've seen all year. But you have to imagine, we're almost a month into the season now, we're almost halfway through it. Actually, you have to imagine that the pitchers are, kind of, are going to start throwing a little bit more or maybe they're still cautious because of what's been going on around the game. Maybe it's something you can't avoid. Maybe it's something that we just see all year. But uh, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people still aren't sold on Charlie Montoyo. Uh, his bullpen skills, a lot of people blame the extra innings lost on him a few days ago. Uh, so, you know, it, it's definitely tough to work with. And, of course, he's got a lot of options to look on the lineup card. And I think that kind of maybe he's overthinking it because of all the options he has and maybe he's trying to be too strategic. I'm not sure. But uh, this week we did see a little bit or the pitchers work a little bit more. And I think pitch count was stopping them this week rather than uh, going past a certain innings limit. Yeah, I, th- I think, honestly, it's just going to depend on, A, uh, your pitch count, and B, the quality of your pitches. You know, if you're clearly struggling, then y- you shouldn't just keep them in until he gets a pitcher gets into the seventh inning, because if you're, you're not doing well, then, you know, I'd rather win a game than have a pitcher give up eight earned runs over seven innings, you know? But I, I like how you mentioned the easing guys into the season, because... I was thinking of that too. I was thinking, yes, obviously you had spring training and that was kind of delayed by, was it like four months or something? And then you had the two week training camp. And like you said, we're halfway into the season. So, I mean, how many starts is it going to take for a guy to make for you to feel comfortable with them pitching, you know, a little bit later into a game? And it's just, it's really confusing me because you look at guys like Ryu and whatnot. He he was obviously the opening day starter, and he's made I believe six starts. So it just it's confusing to me why you know you've got these guys who you you're just not letting pitch deep into ball games, even though it, they've had time to kind of warm up being past starts. I mean, obviously with Matt Shoemaker uh, with his injury pass, you don't want to overwork him, and with Nate Pearson being so young, you you don't want to you're gonna have a bit of a shorter leash with him, but. It's just, uh, I think he d- does need to keep guys in, A, because of that, B, but also because you don't want to overwork the bullpen because we've seen, you know, it's great that they have so many long men, but there's only so many innings that a bullpen can pitch. And, you know, if you pitch three innings or even like one or two innings in a game today, asking you to then do the same thing tomorrow is, you know, it it's, it's just not sustainable for a full season. And I think... It's it's a very conflicting position to be in because, like I said, you, you do have, you know, guys that are trying to pitch deep into games, but if they're struggling, you 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 got to take them out, or if their pitch count gets too high, you got to take them out. But at the same time, there's only so many pitchers on the roster that you can trust, and it's just it's a really tough situation. But I mean, especially with the injuries to the the starting rotation, I think that's like honestly the worst thing that could have happened to them right now, because. You know, Pearson, Thor- Trent, Nate Pearson, Trent Thornton, and Matt Shoemaker are all out with injuries, and it's just it, it's tough because now you have guys that need to take a take over those innings. Like I said, you know, you, the last thing you kind of want is to have a situation where you rely on having an opener one every x number of days because the like I said, you just do not have the n- amount of pitchers that you normally would, and trading is going to be a lot harder this year. So it's just it's. It's tough. I feel like if a guy is throwing well, you got to keep him in for as long as you can. If he struggles, different story. But it's just, 
it's definitely getting hard to watch, especially if a guy's doing well and he's out of the fifth inning because there's nine innings to a game. And if your bullpen is taking over nearly half of that every day or every other day or every whatever, eventually they're going to burn out. And you just, that's not sustainable, A, for a playoff run, but B, just playing baseball. That's not, that's not sustainable. You cannot rely on your bullpen that much and expect good results every time. I mean, it's been pretty good so far. I mean, we've seen Anthony Bass has kind of stepped away from the closer role a little bit. They haven't been pitching him uh, in those situations as much. But I've liked what I've seen with Jordan Romano, A.J. Cole. They've looked pretty good. But like I said, eventually the overworking of the players will start to get to them. And I just really hope we don't get to that point. But I mean, we'll see what Charlie's able to do. Today, obviously, uh, he took his pitcher out, but it's just, there's only so many innings that, you know, relievers can, can pitch in, and it's just, it's, I would like to see him kind of ride the hot hand a little bit more often. Yeah, if you're going to complain about pitchers not being available out of the bullpen like we saw more towards the start of the season, not so much now, you can't just keep pulling starters after five innings when they've only gone 80 pitches. I think of, you mentioned Matt Schumacher, Jacob, but he went five innings. He was coasting, only at about 80 pitches, yanked from the game. Ryan Brocky comes in, blows it, gives up two runs. The game is tied 4-4. Blue Jays go on to lose that one. That's what I, I think of when I think of Charlie Montoya removing all these pitchers from the game early. And I don't know if it's Charlie Montoyo's fault, if it's a directive from the front office, from the high performance department, whether it's Pete Walker uh, having this influence, but clearly this is not working. You know, it's a short season, yes. Pitchers are at higher risk for injury, yes. But you can't just keep pulling them after five innings. Pitchers are supposed to go six innings, seven innings when they are pitching strong. And if they have a low enough pitch count, just keep them in the game. I, I don't understand why... You pull them early. Like I, I just don't get it, and it's really frustrating to watch the Blue Jays worn down and struggling in terms of pitching depth, and then at the same time, you find someone who works, find someone who's doing well, who's at 80 pitches through five innings, and Charlie Montoyo pulls him from the game. So it's incredibly frustrating to watch, and um, again, I don't know why, but that's part of the reason, going back to our earlier conversation, why the Blue Jays are looking for pitching why they need pitching. Um, so I think we're going to see the Blue Jays lose more games because of pitching as it goes on, as pitching gets more and more tired. And again, i got to pin that directly on whoever, whoever is making the decision to remove pitchers early, whether it be Charlie Montoya, whether it be Pete Walker, whether it be the high-performance department. I do not understand it at all. So um, it's put the Blue Jays in a tough spot. They've got all the injuries. They've got all the worn-down pitchers in the bullpen. Um, they are now looking on the, the trade market for pitchers. But I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. If the Blue Jays can continue the success they had a week ago when they had their six-game winning streak, if they can carry it over, find that magic again, and make the postseason. It would surprise me. Um, doesn't sound like it would surprise you guys, but... <laughs> Yeah, not, not as much. Not as much, but, um, you know, I think, you know, if we have to look back on this, uh, Jacob definitely put us in our place. Well, if he's right, so far he's pretty close to the prediction, but I know you're still a little bit more pessimistic. I'm a little bit more optimistic, not o overly sold yet, but I know Jacob is uh, back on the um, 
the bandwagon for the playoffs. So um, that's good, though, Jacob, because you did call it first, so I would give you credit if it ended up happening. But um, like I said, building blocks. You know, I said last week, get to 500. They're there now. Now you got to start making a little bit more of a push if they're capable of it, because now they're on the you know they're, now they're right at the edge of a playoff spot. So it's um, playoffs are looking like a decent chance as of now. But of course, still about a month of the season left, so we're only about halfway through. It's all connected: the postseason race, the pitching, the decision to pull pitchers early, the injuries. Everything comes back to the Blue Jay winning or losing, and we'll see what happens. The only thing that doesn't make sense this week is the deal for Daniel Vogelbach. And that's what's confusing all of us. But with that, I think we'll conclude our episode for today. Thank you to everyone who listened. As always, we appreciate it. And if you could just go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes, it'd be greatly appreciated. Help spread the word about our podcast. You can also follow us on social media at Section138Pod or on Instagram and Twitter, and you can stay up to date with all our future episodes. And with that, stay safe, and we'll catch you next week. Will Maddox, Koufax, Cy Young, Warren Spahn, Nolan Ryan, Matthewson, Dizzy Dean, Necro, Lefty Grove. He was the greatest pitcher baseball's ever known. He was the greatest pitcher baseball's ever known. He was the greatest pitcher baseball's ever known. Here come the big train, big train in the game. Here come the big train, big train. Here come the big train, big train in the game. Walter Johnson was his name. 